We discovered that there were secrets that your body was trying to tell you that could really help you optimize performance. But no one could monitor those things. And that's when we set out to build the technology that we thought could really change the world. Welcome to the WHOOP podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of WHOOP, where we are on a mission to unlock human performance. Now having recorded about 25 episodes on the WHOOP podcast, I can truly say it's a great lens into understanding how high performers, top performers, do what they do. At WHOOP, our clients range from the best professional athletes in the world to Navy SEALs to fitness enthusiasts to Fortune 500 CEOs and executives. The common thread among WHOOP members is a passion to improve. What does it take to optimize performance for athletes, for humans, really anyone? And now that we've just launched the all-new Whoopstrap 3.0 featuring Whoop Live, which takes real-time training and recovery analysis to the next level, you're going to hear how many of these users are optimizing their body with Whoop and with other things in their life. On this podcast, we dig deeper, we interview experts, we interview industry leaders across sports, data, technology, physiology, athletic achievement, you name it. How can you use data to improve your body? What should you change about your life? My hope is that you'll leave these conversations with some new ideas and a greater passion for performance. With that in mind, I welcome you to the WHOOP podcast. I believe everyone is born a high performer. I think the human body is a high performing machine. Whatever happens between birth and whatever sometimes is out of people's control and in their control sometimes and they use it in a positive way or negative way. I tell everyone who reaches out to me on Instagram or, or the young kids that reach out to me about what do they want to do with their career, or if they have no clue, I just say do things you really don't want to do and you'll figure it out. Hello folks, today on the podcast I'm chatting with Brian Mazza. Brian is a former D1 soccer player who rose the ranks through the New York City restaurant industry to create the extremely successful brand of high-end sports bars, the Ainsworth. He's also the founder of High Performance Lifestyle Training and has been featured on the cover of Men's Health magazine. Brian and I talk about lessons he's learned in business and how he applies them to health and fitness, his tips for better nutrition and hydration, as well as various supplements he finds useful, trends he sees in the wellness industry, and also what goes into those famous 24-karat gold wings served at the Ainsworth. I think Brian is a great entrepreneur and a real hustler, not to mention someone who lives a high-performance lifestyle. So without further ado, I think you'll all enjoy this. Brian, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we got to meet uh, a few weeks ago through your work at HPLT. You've had a fascinating career. I know we're going to dive into it. But tell me, first of all, what is HPLT and why did you create it? So HPLT stands for High Performance Lifestyle Training. And I created it because I really wanted to build a very strong community, a real community in not just group fitness, but just surrounding myself with people that are going to make me better, selfishly. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, that's another good reason why we did it. But I really wanted to just build a community of people that just want to achieve greatness and continue to grow in every aspect of their life. And I figured by me being able to create a big foundation and a big crew of people through the retreat business, it was a good way to really just launch HPLT. 
And I got to speak briefly at, uh, at the inaugural yeah. HPLT event. Well, you guys were an amazing sponsor, and we thank you for that. It was, yeah, it was fun to everyone be Everyone loved the technology, and everyone loved to hear you speak. And Yeah, I mean, for us, so much of what we do at WHOOP is working with like-minded people and sure. people who are trying to inspire behavior change or positive fitness development or uh, really you name it. And so, um, you know, when we got connected, I was excited to do something together. Tell me a little bit about your background in, in fitness and health. You're a super fit guy. Um, you're a former D1 soccer player. So I played soccer at the University of Rhode Island, um, but I just was an athlete my whole life in, in many different sports and played all of them really competitively. But, you know, as if you want to pick and choose kind of which route you want to go, if you want to try to go pro, you need to – you can't do the what Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders did and probably do in both sports, right? So right. we figured um, – Soccer was probably the, the best sport for me to see if I could take it as far as I could go. So I played soccer in Westchester for FC Westchester, and that was a you know premier club, number one in the country at one point, won national championship, and then you know got a scholarship to go to the University of Rhode Island, where I'd come up to Boston and, and play some Northeastern and BU and BC. Um, so playing soccer there, and I really didn't have that good of an experience, and I think a lot of the decisions now in my career and, and things I like to get after and things I like to do really go back to my college career where I made a really selfish and childish decision to quit my senior year of playing soccer. Where Why'd you quit? You just weren't enjoying it? I was it? a punk and I, I was young, um, <laughs> to be honest, and, yeah. and not ashamed to say it. But, you know, I, I talk about this a lot and I, you know, I really bring up that I don't like to live with regrets, but I live within that regret not to make decisions like I did emotionally then in anything I do going forward in my life. So I didn't get along with my coach. I, I just, I didn't want to work hard. Everything came super easy to me as an athlete before school. And So you, you weren't training properly. I wasn't training properly. You're going out I mean, a lot. Going out a lot. I was drinking. I wasn't eating the right way. I mean, our program didn't even know then how to eat properly. The problem is I think a lot of these programs are so strapped for cash as well right. that your pregame meals are like at the country buffet or I remember we would you know travel on the bus and we'd go to McDonald's because we'd only <laughs> have like $6 per person. Right, right. And you're talking about like a, the 16th team in the nation, D1. Yeah. Right? It's pretty wild. So it's pretty wild. And I think that probably still goes on to some degree in a lot of these programs that don't have... Well, college athletes should make money, I've always thought. I agree. And especially, you know, Duke basketball or fill-in-the-blank school that's generating tens of millions of dollars, right? I mean, that's why you don't blame them when they go, you know, play one and then they leave. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I, I, you know, played soccer and I quit and made a really bad decision. And I wasn't recovering the right way. didn't even know what recovery was. I mean, recovery was who's getting the... The, the six pack of beer and you know, <laughs> and the next morning is like who's getting the bagels yeah right um, so didn't hydrate properly didn't do anything the right way but that wasn't the reason why I quit the reason why I quit is that I was just a, a, a punk and a kid and I didn't get along with my coach and we didn't see eye to eye so I said you know what I don't even want to play soccer anymore I don't want to even try to go pro I want to go party and have fun and I made that decision but it led me to many other really cool things in my life I, I, I think but I learned a very valuable lesson there. So now that that is a good bridge. So from college sports, you end up getting into like the whole club nightlife promotion scene. Yeah. So I um, I graduated in two thousand six, and it was like, what's next, right? I graduated with a communications degree. 
Um, and the great thing about going to the University of Rhode Island or I feel like any Northeast school, if you live in New York, and if you come back to New York, is everybody who usually goes to those schools are from the tri-state area. So your network is huge. So whenever, when you come back home, usually everyone else is coming back home. So I would guest bartend in the summers at these bars in New York City. And I'd bring 100 people, 200 people, and I didn't even realize that I would eventually get into hospitality. So I graduate, I'm doing some you know, jobs here and there, working for a fashion company, merchandising at Saks, Barney's and Bloomingdale's, making like $27,000 a year, right. thinking I was the richest man in the world at the time, making that. Lived in a um, rent-controlled apartment on the Upper East Side for four, you know, I moved to New York City with $400 in my pocket, so I was like, I really have to figure this out. So I would guest bartend, and I enjoyed it. My sister at the time was a very prominent hair colorist in New York City, and her client was Rachel Yucatel. Oh, uh, yes. Known for all the Tiger Woods stuff. Correct. And, awesome. And a bunch of other things, but, like, but yes. But, but primarily she, the Tiger Woods. But stuff. primarily that. But prior to all of that, she was, you know, kind of like a hospitality maven in, in in the nightlife scene. Totally. So she worked outside as the door girl at this club called Dune in Southampton. Yeah. Which my partner, who I started the Ainsworth with, owned it. Yeah. So she went to my sister and says, "Hey, I know you have a younger brother. Um, would he want to be my assistant?" and work in the Hamptons. And my sister's like, fuck yeah, I'll sign him up. Yeah, right. So, you know, back to making $27,000 a year to making $1,000 a night cash, I thought, you know, I really hit the home run. And then, you know, work with Rachel, who was really beautiful and it was super awesome. And then meet this guy, Matt, who was going to be part of my life for a while after that with the Ainsworth. Things kind of fell into place. Um, And she really, you know... My sister and Rachel really introduced me to this world that I was totally blown away by and enamored by with the celebrities and the girls and the guys spending ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a night right. going to these clubs. I was like, is this real life? It's craziness. Um, but I loved it and I enjoyed it and, and I really I just loved like being the scene around of all, it. I loved the scene and I just loved being around all these people. So I did that um, for three summers. And by the way, what was your like you're you're a super health focused person today, right? Yes. What was your routine in working for those clubs? Like you're probably staying up till what four or five a.m. Yep. And I was drinking and it was partying. Um, so there was no really health routine there or recovery again. And right? at this point in your life, were you like out of shape? No, I was always still working out. Okay, so you're, you've always been addicted to exercise. Always been addicted to exercise. Yeah, we share but, that in common. Yeah, but it's like anyone could be amazing in the gym for one hour. Right, and everyone talks about this, but what, what, whatever you do, the next twenty-three, that's going to determine how you're going to be. Right, so I didn't know that or realize that, or didn't care to even think about that stuff. Right, I was twenty-two, I was having the time of my life, I was making great money, so, you know, I did that, and and I learned everything, and and I'm so thankful that I took that job with Rachel because I saw such an opportunity for myself to build a career, and I said I'm going to do everything that nobody wants to do. So you want me Which, to get, by the way, is a great attitude for yes. anything. Right, and I don't know why I had that attitude. You know, I just was like, wow, I can really do something here. So I would get everyone's laundry. I would get everyone's dry cleaning. I would get everyone's breakfast in the morning. I'd, whoever wanted coffee, I'd run out and get it. Whoever wanted to work out, I'd go work out. Wiffle ball, tennis. I was always like that, <laughs> that guy, like the yeah, pool right. boy running the around hustle. the, the hustle. house, right? And I was in shape, and I, lo- I thought I was in shape. And people were started to gravitate towards me because I was becoming really reliable and loyal for to getting shit done for getting shit done yeah so then people started to take notice of that and my partner at the time um now was just like 
like who are you basically and do you, why do you like doing this this and is Matt this is Matt and he's like you're always on time you're, you're really reliable for me um, you know what are you going to do at the end of the summer because this is just a summer gig and I said to him I was like listen I just actually quit my fashion gig so you have to hire me <laughs> and um, we figured it out and he really wanted to teach me everything from bar back to busboy to just learn everything about the business so we had this he had this bar on 14th between 7th and 8th in New York called Honey and he's like I'm going to teach you everything and I said I'm down to learn everything but just I just want to let you know I could probably bring you like two to three hundred people a night at this place just because of my network from college and everything and any bar owner wants to hear that so he gave me a shot, and I really started to knock it out of the water with bringing all these people and like kind, promoting of, it. kind of being a promoter in a sense. Yeah. You know, I think anyone who owns a business, just like you, you're, you're the biggest promoter of your business, right? If you need to get out there and sell it, you need to be the face of it, you need to be that guy. So everyone's a promoter in, in, that, in that sense, right? So we did that for a while, and then we had this event space on 20, um, 26th between 6th and 7th. And it was just a blank event space. And we would throw just parties for companies and whatever. And then the, you know, the market crashed in the economy. No one was doing really big corporate events anymore. This is like 2008, 2009. 2008, 2009. So the market crashed and we saw that people weren't really spending money. So we're like, what are we going to do here? So another summer came around and then it was time for us to figure out if we're going to renew this lease or go find a new space to create something. So we stuck with it there and we created the Ainsworth which, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions, probably the most successful sports bar created. Um, we started the first Sunday. It's an Monday. awesome spot. Started the first Sunday Funday. Thank no you. doubt. Yeah, and it was. We were really the pioneers in sport in upscale and sophisticated sports bars. And I mean, it's been a huge success. And now you've got it in uh, the Ainsworth is also in Nashville and Kansas City. Correct. Yeah. So and we the- expanded it. So we have four in New York, two in New Jersey, and um, two in what you just mentioned. Who came up with the famous 24, uh, 24K gold wings? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm friendly with Jonathan Chebin. Yeah. And uh, about two years ago, wow, I can't believe it's two years already, or a year and a half, he uh, wanted to see our my son Leo. So we were in the city and we linked up with him. And I saw what he was doing with Grutman, with the, you know, at Komodo with the dessert. And I said, why don't we try to do something together? And Wait, explain the dessert. So he does something with, he has like this, um, I don't even know what it really is any, anymore. He just has this really crazy over-the-top dessert with Grutman at Komodo. So uh, Food God loves wings. Okay. He's known for that. So he said, why don't, you know, we put our minds together and said, why don't we try to create gold wings? So we really have 24-carat edible gold wings at the Ainsworth. Um, <laughs> and what I do they have, cost? So you can get a 50-pack for 1,000, which is obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you get a gold bottle of Ace of Spades with that. Right. And then you can get you know, a 10-pack for 45 and a 20-pack for 90. But I've never, you know, and I've built this brand really successfully, and we're in so many different markets for over 10 years, but I've never seen anything explode like this in my life. I mean, every single outlet picked it up. Everyone was talking about it. The, the backlash we were getting you know, regarding using gold with food. and Totally. It just totally went crazy, but it was the best thing that ever could have happened for our brand. It's marketing gold. I mean, crazy. no pun intended. Yeah. I mean, like, Casey Nistat texted me one day and was like, hey, <laughs> uh, can I come film? I mean, to get a, a text from, like, the, the big, the biggest and best YouTuber ever. Yeah, big ever YouTuber. Huge. was nuts. So yeah. just to see how it was reaching so many different people and so quickly yeah. was awesome. No, well, it's fascinating. And so 
from all of that, um, you then got into Mazda Sport, which is athletic clothing. Yeah, so I have an amazing relationship with a brand called Layer 8. Yeah. Um, they're really supportive. Which is what you're wearing right now. Which I'm wearing right now. It's really pretty su- dope, by the way. It's Thank you. Nice yeah, they're, they're a very, very cool brand. Um, and we just have a really <laughs> strong relationship together. So that they really get behind everything that I try to do, and they support me. So uh, we created a brand called Mazda Sport, and um, we still have it, and it's great. And we might be doing some more collabs down the line. Um, but we did that with uh, Type 1 Diabetes Foundation. So some of the portions of the sales went to that foundation because my dad's a diabetic so we figured it'd be a good way to to tie that in together um and the line was super successful but we kind of just moved that to the side right now because hblt is the main focus um and the brand that we believe has the most legs well what's fascinating for me and just kind of going over your career is you've you've been a serial entrepreneur of sorts i mean you've been the entrepreneur of your own life in a lot of ways to require all these skills and then um, you're now turning into starting different businesses. Like I'm sure the Ainsworth benefited from the fact that you spent a couple of years learning how to be a busboy or a promoter. Oh, or all totally. These things, yeah. You know? I mean, you have to, as a leader, and you know this. Like you have to be able to do everything. Yeah, it helps in a your lot. business. If, if yeah. you can't lead and you can't have people respect you and you can't have people follow you in your business if you can't do every single thing. Um, and I, I really believe that. And I feel like once the leader stops doing some of those things in the business. It's only going to fail. But it's also a super healthy mindset when you're in the act of doing something that maybe you don't want to do or appreciate. You know, there's times where when you, if you're being a busboy, you're like, fuck, I don't want to do this. For sure. But the reality is, hey, the, you doing this is going to make you better at the inevitable leadership job you'll get down the road. Yeah, I mean, I tell everyone who reaches out to me on Instagram or, or the young kids that reach out to me about what do they want to do with their career, or if they have no clue, I just say, do things you really don't want to do. And you'll figure it out <laughs> quickly. So uh, HPLT, let's talk about uh, what the the goal is there and how you're trying to improve people. So sure. it's a three-day retreat. Yeah, so the first one is a three-day retreat. Not all of them. They might not be three-day retreats. Um, depends on which city we go to or how we break it up. But the ethos of the brand is I'm a firm believer, and I said this at our dinner and everything, that everybody, I believe everyone is born a high performer. I think the human body is a high-performing machine. Um, whatever happens between birth and whatever sometimes is out of people's control and, and in their control sometimes. And they use it in a positive way or negative way. So what we try to do is we combine people that are high performers and we sharpen their tools through fitness and through the lifestyle choices that we make. And we really love to find people that are on the cusp of becoming high performers or people that have no clue what they're trying to do. Um, and we blend them together. And the success from our first retreat was pretty unbelievable and outstanding just to have these 30 like-minded individuals. And there were some people that have done Ironmans before and some people that never ran over one mile. And that after during that Saturday when they did a six-mile run with David Goggins, 1,200 jumping jacks, 700 push-ups, the person who only ran one mile did everything. And the person who did the Ironman had a really awesome time doing it. And I'm not saying it was enjoyable for everybody, but by the end of it, it was super enjoyable because they realized what they just were able to accomplish. Not only training with the hardest man in the world, basically. In yeah, Goggins is but an animal. What the, the point is is that the body's a high-performance machine. You can do anything you put your mind to. Your body will go, but you have to obviously, through technology that you guys are providing, right, right. learn how to recover and learn how to do all these things. Totally. So... 
what we're really trying to do is just put all these people together and put them through different, you know, circumstances, different events, different experiences, and see how they react and see how they can use each other in a team environment to build a community. Now, from this past weekend, just to talk from the the weekend, um, the first retreat, we're running, so I'm tasking everyone, so what we're going to do is after every retreat, we're going to pick a new location. And after that new location, we're going to see what the mileage is from there and back. And we're going to see and task everyone to see if they can run that mileage as a team. Not literally, but in a Google Doc, and we're all logging our miles. Oh, that's cool. So all of us are you know, keeping in touch with each other. We're all using each other for businesses. We're all just talking back and forth and networking. So everyone this weekend ran half marathons. The weekend before, everyone was putting in 10, mi- 10 miles together. Nice. We should so put everyone it, on a whoop team together. Yeah, too. I know. We were talking about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just building a really strong community, and there's no ego, which is amazing, and people are just trying to get better. I'm impressed that you were able to get a group of people that, from a fitness standpoint, were that far apart, right? H- having done an Ironman and having not run more than a mile. But that's amazing. it teaches both able- of them, both of those two categories, so many different things, right? It teaches, you know, the Ironman person, whoever, or the elite fitness person, to have empathy a little bit towards the person who doesn't know how, what they're doing or doesn't want to train. And it teaches this person... Wow, I look up at this person. Look at look what they're doing. Maybe I want to be like that. Maybe I don't want to be like that. You know, and you start to figure things out. And once you put them together, and then they're having team dinners together, and they're having meetings together, and they're just stuck together for three days, really awesome stuff starts to happen. And what are some like what's a day in the life for you from a health standpoint? Like when you wake up in the morning, what are the first things that you're doing? So um, I'm a parent, and I'm about to be have another baby in about three. It's exciting! Four weeks. Congratulations! Thank you. So. Um, about three and a half, four years ago, I stopped drinking just because, just for fitness, and I really hated having a hangover, just to be totally honest. So, which is a pivot from your promotion days. Oh my God, like a huge, <laughs> like a big pivot. Yeah. Um, but a day in the life, so I'm up around 4, 4.30 every morning, and, you know, any advice for new dads out there or dads out there, I love to get up way before my kid gets up, or not kids about to get yeah, up. right. For me, because I like to have my selfish time, and it's my time to do everything I want to do, my time to get all my emails done if I need to work out, even though I don't always work out at the time, I rarely do, but just to get everything done. And it's important for me to be on that schedule and that regiment because I feel like I set my kids up for success when I do that. Everything's ready for him, his food's ready, his bottle's ready. I'm prepared, I'm not tired, I'm not groggy. I already have two hours up getting everything done before he gets up. So... I like to intermit fast, so I don't really eat until 1 o'clock or, or noon, um, but I'll have coffee in the morning, maybe one or two cups, usually black, um, and then I don't really consume anything until 1 o'clock. Do so you do any kind of meditation, anything like that? I do that? that when I first get up, so I do that for like 10 to 15 minutes. And what kind of meditation do you like to do? I just, you know, so I have my dog in the morning, so she comes down with me, and that's just our time, and we just, she goes out to go to the bathroom, comes back in, we sit on the sofa, and we just chill. No phone. No TV, obviously, and it's just quiet in the dark. And I just, you know, things I'm grateful for, things I want to do, things I don't want to do, and just get in the moment and really just set my day up. I've been amazed by how powerful uh, gratitude is. I mean, I've been trying to get into it more myself in terms of just creating self-reflection around gratitude, but so many people I've interviewed on this podcast and so many successful athletes that I've met or people who just generally seem happy – they always talk about how gratefulness 
uh, creates that anchor. I think it's a huge catalyst for human growth and, and personal growth. Yeah, um, I think you're right. You know, on Saturday, so this past week I said, I'm going to run a half marathon. I've never run a half marathon before. I don't know about you or run marathons. I've run a marathon. I've never done it. Yeah. Um, it's always scared the shit out of me, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, the weekend before, I've never ran more than six miles, so I said, I'm going to run ten. So my wife thinks I'm a lunatic, um, and I'm like, I'm going to run a half marathon this weekend. She's like, well, what did you sign up for? I'm like, no, I'm just going to go run 13.1 miles. Sure. Um, she's like, well, when are you going to do it? We have X, Y, and Z to do. Like, throughout the weekend, we have to prepare for the new baby. We have stuff to do with Leo. Like, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm just going to get up at 4 a.m. and run it, and I'll be home before both of you guys wake up, and my half marathon will be done for nice. the day. So I get up at 3.45, get all excited, go run a half marathon, and out of curiosity, you didn't eat anything before the marathon? No. I just had a cup, cup of coffee. cup of coffee. And then went for... And did you take any energy gels or anything no, like that? just got to Just do it. But when you're in a routine like that of constantly getting up at that time and, and preparing and taking care sure. of yourself, life becomes a lot easier. And when did you eat dinner the night before? Probably, I probably ended at like 8. Okay. Yeah. So um, I get up, I run it, you know, run in an hour and 50, which was cool. Um... But the whole time I was running, it was like an emotional roller coaster for myself. And then we talk about gratitude and everything. And I was just running and thinking about my family and thinking about how amazing my wife is and how hard she works and my parents, how great they are, my brother and my sister, thinking about this trip and going to, going to Reebok and going to Miami. And I'm just like, wow, life is so awesome. And I'm so thankful for all the people that came into my life and thankful for the, the, people, the bad people that came into my life that have been able to, you know, shape me in ways that I'm just... I, I, things I don't want or things I want to go attack and, and, and be happy for and things just get the negativity out of my life. So I'm on That's this run and I'm too. just like, this is fucking awesome. This yeah. can end tomorrow and I want to you know, really live in the moment and be happy. So many people have these negative thoughts in their mind for no reason sometimes. And I feel like that is what is keeping them off their path for happiness and success. Well, I like how you just, you just reframed... Um, having negative influences in your life too right and the fact that you know you talk about people that you know may not have been good influences for sure and being grateful for them too i think that kind of re reframing is pretty powerful right because it, it also makes you try to do that in other aspects okay these failures or these rejections or whatever these have helped shape me positively yep and i think my whole life i've, I've you know fought that off and i've seen a lot of people in my life come and go for many different reasons but you know, always being a strong athlete and, you know, likability is a huge factor in your life and in success as well. And a lot of people don't like people that are liked sometimes. And, and I think that makes them feel insecure and it makes them feel inferior to other people. So I think I've always my whole life dealt with people that liked to see me win but loved to see me lose hmm. also. Yeah. So, you know, when I started HPLT... That was a huge factor that I knew would be like the fire under my ass to make this successful. And that's why I reached out to brands like you guys to, you know, definitely put the stamp on that this is legit and this is for real. Because, you know, you, when you build a business, as you know, your reputation's on the line. Your face is on the line. Your family's on the line. The, the name on the back of your jersey's on the line. So it's really important to understand that. And it's really important to be thankful for the people that like to see you lose and love to see you lose. Because if you don't have them sometimes you might not be as motivated as you want to be. I have a mental list of every investor who passed on investing in Whoop, and I think about them all the time. Yeah. And by the way, it's motivating. It is For so sure. motivating. Well, you use it as a negative thing, right? And, it, and yeah. it might not be negative that they passed. Maybe it wasn't the right time for them sure. or whatever, but 
they're going to be knocking on your door because they're going to be like, fuck, dude, I should have been involved with Yeah, with yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, in the back of your mind, For you're sure. like, yeah, that's how many multiples you'd be up. But it's like, you know, you have to, you have to keep marching forwards is the bottom line. I mean, there was this guy, I remember, I don't, I don't want to say his name, but... I remember when I was first graduated school, I received a job offer to work for this denim company. And we spoke so many times on the phone, and he gave me the job over the phone. So I was like, okay, great. I remember I went to the office to start my first day, and he acted like he never told me I had a job. So could you picture your first job ever out of school, and you go there on day one, and you didn't have a job? It's tough. So I have this guy's face in the back of my head just for many different reasons too well also use, it gives you a strong you. contrast for yes. what you never want to create for someone else exactly right? and I think those experiences are great that you never want to treat employees that way you never want to treat people who look up to you or are excited about things that, to do it with you in that way no that's a great point so uh, let's talk about your experience on Whoop so far you've been on Whoop for what a couple months now a couple, two months now and how, do, how have you been using it so I've never experienced anything like this in, in terms of recovery. And recovery has always been my downfall with injuries. I tore my Achilles two years ago. Oh, wow. Definitely wear and tear and not listening to my body. And the biggest thing for me with Whoop is the sleep factor and the recovery thing of when not to overtrain and when to get after it. Um, so I've just been blown away. And I know that the HPLT members and everyone who has it just been blown away by how certain people are performing at their peak and why they're performing at their peak and, and they attribute to it, a lot of it just in the technology of how they're able to realign how to get after things. If you, if you don't have, if you don't know, you know, your sleep or the inconsistencies or how many times you're getting up or just the, you know, if you're on your screen time before bed or right, if you're right. sharing your bed and it's really crazy. So during the last month of my wife's pregnancy now, she's super uncomfortable and you know, me sometimes tossing and turning or her being uncomfortable keeps us both up. So there are some nights where I'll go sleep on the sofa downstairs. Sure. And tracking that with sharing a bed or not sharing a bed. It's pretty I, interesting. It's yeah. so interesting. It's, it's really, really cool. Well, I like to say you can only really manage what you measure, sure. right? And so if you don't have data assigned to, hey, am I actually sleeping well tonight or not? Um, am I actually recovering properly? It's very hard to manage against it. Totally. And in a lot of ways, you... You know, you're kind of the animal I was targeting in the earliest days of founding Whoop because you're someone who's going to overtrain or overdo it without something that tells you, hey, take a rest or yeah. something to hold you back. So what have been moments for you where you like, you know, have you had low recoveries and then all of a sudden said, okay, maybe today I'm not going to run a half marathon or, you yeah, know, I mean, I, crazy I, I really go by it. Yeah. I, I really let it judge my training regimen now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do a half Ironman in December. Um, Great. I'm just announcing it right now. So Nice. It's pretty just decided this weekend that I'm going to have to step it up because I, I feel like I'm missing something in my life that I could be super Are you a good swimmer? I'm not. So that's where people get in trouble. So that's why I'm excited for that. And I'm yeah. excited to Take tackle that I'm not a – I hate running. I don't like swimming. <laughs> and I really don't care to bike. So I feel like just – That sounds like you're back wild. To, right, back <laughs> to – doing things other people don't want to do, yeah. right? And when I was working at the nightclub and stuff as the assistant, I'm using that mentality with this Iron half Ironman, is that I'm going to do it because I the things I'm horrible at, I need to get good at. So it, it's just going to motivate me to work at, on, on a lot of these skills that I'm not really good at. 
Well, that'll be interesting on Whoop too because you'll see which um, of those three workouts has higher strains too. Sure. You know, it may turn out for you. So like swimming typically during an Ironman will have a lower strain than the cycling, will have a lower strain than the running. Um, but if you're like super inefficient at, at say, swimming, be, it might be higher. Yeah. And then one thing you'll want to track personally is over time as you do swims every day and you get better at the form, okay, if you swim 50 or 100 laps, does the strain start to go down even though maybe the time is getting faster? Sure. Right? My strain is always higher when I run. Yeah. It's like significantly higher than if I'm doing some CrossFit workouts or on the assault bike or rowing or... And sometimes that's due to the fact that it's just easier to get your heart rate elevated when you're running yeah. because you can get into an all-out sprint pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. With CrossFit, it is pretty easy to get your heart rate jacked, but a lot of the time you might be more focused on your form or sure. the weights, right? Than it's really heart. awesome when I, I still play soccer competitively oh, cool. now. I love seeing how it's tracked during when I play. What position do you play? I play striker. Nice. Yeah, so. so I play in a soccer league, n- nothing like your level, but... Um, I play center midfield, and it's just, like, unbelievable how exhausting a soccer game is. So when I track it on the graph, yeah. it's like sprint, then it comes down, and sprint. It's just like, it's yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. nuts. Just all intervals. But I'm assuming with being center midfielder, it's probably more consistent. Oh, yeah, my heart rate's just at, like, 175 for 90 minutes. Yes. I mean, it's crazy. So mine is drastically jumping up and down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the type of training I, I usually <coughs> do anyway. Um, I, I think center midfielder, I mean, center forwards are very consistent with like hit workout. Yeah, totally. You know, because you're walking, talking, talking shit, maybe here and there and then sprinting, coming back. Um, so I'm going to be very curious to see when I start training for the Ironman, how this is going to play out. And with, uh, with other workouts. So it sounds like you do CrossFit. So I, I wouldn't say CrossFit fully because I don't really do a lot of bar work in terms of snatches and stuff, deadlifts and, and squats, but I'm getting after it every single day. I'm doing something every single day. Right. Um, but I just have to be careful now. I'm going to have to redesign how I'm training um, probably in the next two months getting ready for the Ironman. But I would say every day some type of hit workout. Like yesterday. Well, uh, the, cycling, the cycling and the running is going to make your sprinting slower. Sure. Because yeah. it's like you're going from fast twitch muscles to slow twitch. But like, yes, so I ran the half marathon on Saturday. And then yesterday, I only had 20 minutes for a workout, so I did 100 kcals on the bike, 200 push-ups every 10 kcals, and then an 800-meter run. So I'm going to have to morph everything together. That's just what's going to work for me because I think I'll be bored if I'm just swimming, running, and biking. What's something that you do to tell how fit you are? Like, do you have any fitness tests in your mind? Like, do you, like, you know, some people say, okay... If they're predominantly a runner, they'll be like, yeah, what's the fastest one mile I can run? I'll go out and run a one mile and, and see how fast it is. Other people will say, you know, they want to be able to do something like the Murph. Are you familiar with the Murph? Yeah, I do, I do the Murph every year. Um, yeah. I love the Murph. So the Murph, for those listening, is you run a mile and then you do, in any order, typically speaking, um, 100 pull-ups, yeah. 200 push-ups, and 300 squats. With a 20-pound vest. Yeah, with a 20-pound vest, and then you run another mile. Uh, that's a definitely a good challenge. So that's like a good challenge to see. I think what you're... I like to do is there's the, VO two max test. There's all the seventy k cal assault bike one mile run for time. All right, so unpack that. What is that? So you have the assault bike, yep. which I think is the hardest machine in fitness because um, it just doesn't ever get easier. 
And that's what the arms That's do. arms and legs, right? So right. you're just beasting that for 70 calories um, for time. So, so how fast can you burn 70 calories? So 70K cows, you'd like to try to do that in like four something, four minutes something. That's intense. That's really intense. Um, but there's been days I've done it like six. Yeah. With just, you know, fatigue and whatever. And then you immediately hop off that bike, uh, off the bike and then run a mile. So your legs are just shot. shot. You literally like don't know how to run. You look really awkward when you're when you're <laughs> it's running. Like a little you're dangerous. Like, yeah. You know, it's like the guy from Men in Black, the sugar and water guy. That, that guy, <laughs> how he's like walking down the yeah, street. That's right. how you start off, and then you finally become more human, and then you can get after it. But so that's a good test. I've never heard that. It's before. a great test. It's a really really great test. Or um, eighty burpees and a four K row for time. Interesting. So I think hard. like with the like the VO two as well, it's it's seeing how much you can deplete yourself and keep going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are those are really good. Uh, the Murph is great, but the Murph you can kind of like take a break a little bit. I mean, you probably sh- you shouldn't, but you can pace it if you have to. These other things you you really can. Well, the, I mean, look, we're we're talking about all different levels of fitness too, right? Like for some people, just finishing a Murph is a sign of fitness, right? Yes. And then for other people, it's like, okay, can you get from doing it in 40 minutes to 25 minutes or whatever, right? Well, like I just did the Empire State Building Race. Okay. That was by far the hardest cardiovascular thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. And am I even embarrassed to say this? I was on floor like 65 and a 70-year-old woman passed me. And, and, and just- she was like, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm- And what does it consist of, just so you, broad strokes? You start in the bottom, you just run to the top. Go to the top and figure it out. How many stairs is it? It's 86 flights. 86 flights. How many steps of flight? I have no... Dude, I don't even want to think about Mark, it. Mark, pull up how many how many <laughs> steps there are in the Empire State Building. I don't even want to think That's about crazy. it. I don't even want to talk about it. It was the, the fucking worst experience of my life. I got my ass handed to me. So I did it with my partner, Rob Pinnell. Yeah. You guys know Rob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great the, la- lacrosse player. The best. The yeah. GOAT. Um, 1,576 stairs. 1,576. So I'm always chasing Rob in all of our workouts because he's just a, a savage. Yeah. So I'm always chasing him, and he's good to keep around for me because he's younger than me, keeps me cool, and he's just an animal. So me and him are talking, and I'm like, we're not going to sprint this. We're going to like... Yeah, right. We're not going to sprint in the beginning, dude, because we're going to die. You know, his legs, they're so strong and jacked. I'm not like that at all. I got little like little lady legs. So he just takes off and he just flies up. So I'm chasing him the whole time. By like flight 30, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I, my <laughs> heart was flying out. Of, I've, I've never been that out of breath and I've never been that fatigued where I was disoriented in a, in a sense where I just was like, I can't run this anymore. But it's like, right. So that's like running a stadium. Yeah. But you're never, you never have the break of coming down. Oh, yeah, you never have the break of coming down. So that, sure. that's exhausting. But you can also use your arms because the, the stairways are very, very narrow. So you can pull yourself up. So you were doing that? Doing that. So I did it in 1810. The guy who won it did it in 10 minutes. Wow. That's so fast. So fast. It's from Poland. He's the world record. I've never, it's, it's, it's really fascinating, this race. 10 minutes. The most fascinating thing was when the woman passed me who started way behind me, caught up, and So how fast me, did she end up running it? I don't know, but I don't even want to know her time because I'm yeah. going to just jump out of a window right now. <laughs> she was like, you good, bro? And I was like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah, right. And I thought I was so fit. 
And then I had to walk to the train to get Metro North, and the escalator was broken, and I had to walk more steps. And I just wanted to end it that night. Yeah, that's it. But it was a really cool experience. Um, and the whoop was kind of interesting to see the heart rate and everything that was going on, the calories. I don't remember what I burned on that, but it was, that was probably it was very, high. very interesting. Yeah. Do you do any other events like the Empire State Building one? That's pretty cool. Um, I was lucky enough to do that. No, I really don't do many other events. I've done a Spartan race once. Um, but the next thing is, I guess, the Ironman. And, I'm, you know, I think my wife might do it with me, oh, which cool. would be really awesome. Um, so she's about to give birth. About to give birth. So that would be that'd be an intense turnaround. Yeah, but if anyone could do it, she could do it. She's just we call her the savage. Oh, nice. In, so she's in, pretty fit in, too. No, she's not like she, she she's doesn't get after it, um, like we do. But you know she, her mentality and the way her work ethic and the way she is as a person, she'll be able to crush this. So like I said, we we all call her the savage in the circle, and uh, for many different reasons. What is something that people aren't talking about in in the workout community right now that you think so that you think's important that they're not talking about? Yeah, like what's something underrated? What's a secret? Oh, I don't I don't know about secret. I was I wasn't going to talk about that. I was just going to talk about how I feel like a lot of these group fitness studios and a lot of these group fitness uh, instructors and teachers and whatever they're not as true to the the beliefs and the systems as they should be. Okay. I feel like they alienate a lot of people sometimes. Interesting. And um, they're not using their platform and their social media platform to help, really, really help people. So give an example of that. I just feel like, you know, they're not really trying to help people um, become better. They're really not trying to work as a team. It's really just using it for different reasons. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said before, fitness levels are all different, and fitness means something different to everybody. Um, and it's not just about becoming number one in many different things. It's just about building this community the right way. And I think by blending all these people together, like what we're doing at HPLT, is the right way to build a strong community. I feel like if you don't do it that way, people will buy in for a little bit, and then they'll realize that it's not genuine. I think that I imagine the hard thing for anyone who's managing one of those classes where literally anyone can walk in off the street is just the profound difference in fitness level, like, and knowing how hard to push someone to. And I feel like I've been on both ends of that spectrum, so... There's a fine line of being able <clears throat> like, to do that. Like, I've gone to Bikram yoga classes where... And I'm not good at yoga. Whole, it's I like horrible. Like, like, pretty bad. Um, and... And the heat and just the poses and pushing myself, you know, and I'm like the guy in the corner who's kind of like trying to recollect his thoughts and like regroup. I'm always in the back. And, you know, and I've had an instructor kind of like yelling at me like, you know, hey, you need to get back into the poses. You need to get back to poses. And it was to, on some level it was a turn off because, you know, I'm trying to do my best. I agree. And, and you you're know, paying for that. Right. Right. Yeah. So just because it's fitness. It, d- it doesn't mean you can treat people a certain way, right? Like, it's a business. It's just like going to buy a hamburger at a place. Like, the person behind the counter or your waitress or your server needs to be nice and show hospitality. Yeah, so it's, it's tricky. Hospitality and fitness are very similar. So that's, a, that's an if interesting you're paying point. $30 for a class and your instructor is being a dick, if your instructor is being rude, if your instructor is not knowing how to push you, they're failing. And that person's not going to come back. No, I get it. And by the way, I don't go back to Bikram yoga that often. <laughs> On the flip side of it, though, like I've been in uh, 
like a Barry's class where, you know, I'm pretty comfortable running. And I've heard the instructor be like, you know, close to, you're, you're close to the end. And the instructor being like, and if you need a break, you can take it down a notch. And I'm thinking to myself, no, no, don't say that. Like, I don't want to fucking break. But, you know, there she is talking to a different population in that class. So I just get that it's hard. It's you, very difficult. I'm not know, saying it's easy. Yeah. But I think the best studios and the best businesses um, <coughs> in group fitness and in just fitness in general know how to play in that fine line. And I actually tell people when they ask me about, like, what's my favorite, um, you know, what are my favorite classes or whatever, I feel like you just want to find an instructor you like. I think it's a and the instructor is almost just as important as what, whatever. Just like the, you go to the, the bar because you like your favorite bartender. Yeah, right? yeah. It, it, it's, everything's very, very similar in, in that sense with hospitality and, and fitness. And that's why I'm happy I did hospitality first um, and now turning my focus. Yeah, I think that's on, on smart. Fitness. I think that's a smart framework too. How about from a uh, recovery standpoint? Like what are some things that – People have no clue and what you guys are doing is amazing. So you guys are definitely that. like helping the world – um, people have no clue. There's, you know, there's, there's not enough information. There's not enough education out there for people to understand. And I don't fully do it hundred percent like I should. I don't stretch as much as I should. Um, people. You're definitely going to start stretching when you train for this. Iron oh my God. I have You're not going to have a choice. I'm not going to have a choice. I'm not going to be, I'll, I'll yeah. get hurt. Um, but people don't like, sometimes don't like to do the other things that are necessary in order to become better at what they're trying to do, right? So recovery is such a huge part of that that I don't know why there's not enough education going around about the importance of it. There is, but it needs to be more mainstream. It yeah, needs to become more I mean, mainstream. I've been thinking about recovery for like 8 to 10 years, and I can say that I think in the past, call it like 12 months, there's been a, there's been a movement around it. All of a sudden it's a buzzword, Sleep, it feels like it's the new steps. Like everyone's talking about sleep. So I think in the next few years, you'll see some profound shifts. How many hours of sleep are you getting? I try to spend um, between seven and eight hours in bed, which means that I'll typically get between six and seven hours of quality sleep. And that works for you. And that works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I'm run down at all, if... I am um, traveling. That's when I'll try to spend more time in bed. If I've got like a board meeting or something that I want to be really dialed for. Yeah. But the biggest thing I've come to realize is that consistency is more important than anything else. In all aspects, right? Really in all aspects of life, but especially with sleep. And, um, and that's why in the Whoop app, we actually give you coaching feedback on how to go to bed and wake up at a similar time to what you've been doing previously. And so... Rather than oscillate from getting like five hours and nine hours, which, you know, I think there was a phase in my life I would do, you know, you're just doing the minimum, you're doing the minimum, and it's like, oh, fuck, you got to catch up. Uh, now I just try to always get like, you know, an adequate solid amount of sleep. Yep. And, you know, that for me seems to be working. I definitely have done, innovated a lot, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts just around the sleep routine. <coughs> I've got a night mask now. Oh, wow. That I wear when I go to bed. You feel like that helps? 100%. Definitely helps. I should try that. Yeah, you should definitely do it. Uh, I'm still figuring out what my favorite sleep mask is. I probably own 15 of them at this point. Do you have any pets? I don't. So our, our dog sleeps with us, and I've noticed that <laughs> she is great. Did you share your bed with a dog? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. too. And um, 
but she creeps on my side a lot more now. I don't know if it has <laughs> anything to do with my wife being pregnant, but I notice that like I'm not getting good sleep because of my dog, and yeah. it's starting to weigh on me. Like, should we? You know, we had discussions. Like, we love her to death. Should we put her on the ground? Is she going to be upset? Like, yeah, right. like what are we talking about here? Right? Yeah, that's probably a good but idea. I've noticed like sometimes I wake up and my body's all like awkward because the way my dog is sleeping. So yeah, I'd look into that. Yeah, definitely. But with the Whoop app last week, there was like three nights where my sleep was really screwed up, and it, the the news it was telling me about how much I needed to catch up was kind of gross. Yeah, in the sense it's kind of scary. Like oh my god, I, I need to adjust and figure something out and what do you do before bed anything so we like to go to bed between you know we try to be in bed by 8 15 8 30 every night um luckily our son goes to sleep really early that's this is all going to totally change though in a couple weeks with the true baby. but so we'll, 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 we'll start usually from try optimal. to do so we try to get to bed uh or get in bed by 8 8 15 um and just have limited screen time on our phones but we'll put the TV on for a little bit. And that only lasts for just a little bit because I could fall asleep pretty quickly. And my wife, the same thing. So we just watch TV for a little bit and then we just try to knock out. So it's really nothing crazy. It's just, you know, really we're not eating in bed or bringing food up or whatever. We make sure we have our water or whatever. Um, there's really no routine. I've started experimenting with uh, these blue light blocking glasses. They're a little goofy. They're like red tints. And they're supposed to block all the blue light that, that comes in. And I'll wear them um, probably about an hour or two before bed, sometimes as much as three hours. And I've noticed it makes me a lot sleepier before I get into bed. So When do you turn your phone off? Well, that's the other thing. That's probably one aspect that I'm not as dialed on as I should be. Like, I, I'm, I know I'm still addic- too addicted to work. And so I'll look at my phone pretty close up until going to bed. Um, but by wearing these glasses, I don't find that the light of the phone really affects me. The biggest thing that'll affect me is reading some email that I probably shouldn't read right before I go to bed, right? Because that's not going to do you any good. Uh, so I know that it's not fully optimal in that standpoint, but wearing these glasses, I think is, is helping deal with the, the blue light in a big way. And it's, it's stopping the effect of screens. Because my wife likes my wife and I both like watching television before bed yeah. or staying up. You know, I think I'm late catching up on sports. billions, right? So it's like yeah, right, billions. So <laughs> gets me all fired up. Probably, so probably shouldn't watch that. Before. The transition of of these glasses to the sleep mask. There's something magical there. I like that. And the other thing that I did recently is I was in an airport where I had to take a red eye, and it was a shitty red eye. It was a red eye from San Jose, um, and so it's like a six hour flight. And you can't get horizontal at all on that flight. And so uh, I started wearing the glasses like three or four hours before the flight. So I'm in the airport. I look a little ridiculous with these glasses, but whatever. And, uh, and I you know, maybe only got two hours of sleep on the plane, but I woke up with a yellow recovery. So that's pretty good. You know? So it's things like that that I think are, I think are interesting. Do you drink before going to sleep like do you have a glass of water or when do you stop I, I drink an enormous amount of water throughout the day throughout the whole day uh, so in general you know that's the closest thing I would say to a diet life hack that I have uh, you know alcohol I don't you know I don't drink that much anymore I, I'll probably have weekends where I'll see friends where maybe I'll like indulge too much but 
Um, it's rare that I'll have more than a drink on a, like, a work night. You know, it just doesn't happen that often anymore. Um, I'm trying not to have anything. Well, I don't drink, but not have any water before bed because then I'm up, like, I feel like I have to pee all night. Yeah, I, I haven't had that problem, although I think that's smart, like, if it affects you like that. Now, I was reading, actually, that you've got a special water that you like to drink, and I wanted to ask you about this. It is... Mark, what was the special water that we were talking about? Hemp hydrate? Yep, the hemp hydrate yeah. that you're, is part of your brain, but then also there was another one. Mo- it's some kind of molecular infused water. Which tells- yes, yeah. So tell us about Trucy. Some- so I don't consume that anymore, but I did for a while. So tell me about it. Um, so Trucy, um, just a molecular hydrogen, ba- basically on recovery. So it's supposed to help you with soreness, help you. And did it work or not? It did for a while, but I feel like with everything else, it just kind of ran its course and then I just phase stopped in, to phase, phase out. out. But I'm a partner in Hemp Hydrate, and uh, that's a CBD water. Oh, interesting. So I, yeah, I consume that every day. Um, and when do you drink it? I just drink it just like I'm drinking a regular water. And what are the benefits of CBD according to you? Well, we actually, it's really funny you said that, because we, we created a CBD menu actually at the Ainsworth. Oh, funny. Um, so we had a CBD burger and CBD wings. Um, but just, you know, throughout this transition of kind of taking a different route at getting out <clears> of hospitality and getting into just focused mainly on fitness as a business there was a bit a bit of anxiety there of leaving something you've been doing for such a long time and focusing on something else so for me cbd is great for anxiety um also for sleep it helps it relaxes me calms me inflammation um i feel like i'm always broken my body just from being an an athlete for so overuse for years um so those are the benefits that i have seen in my body and my lifestyle. And have you noticed any difference between CBD that you've consumed orally versus, say, like there's a lot of CBD ointments and stuff. I've never now. used CBD ointments. I've never like used that. that. Never no. used it. Okay. So I just... With, with we get oil. asked actually a lot about CBD. Well, that's a huge movement as well. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, a lot of these, especially in the NFL. Um, yeah, I mean, and a lot of them smoke too. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's some science out there that supports that uh, marijuana can help uh, reduce pain mm-hmm. and inflammation. What else? What else, Brian? It's basically it. Thank you for having me here. This is yeah, super it's impressive. Been amazing having you, um, I, you know, we're so thankful that we were able to link up, and that you guys were such great partners for us. And we hope to do more things with you guys. And I know the community is just loving the recovery, and everyone's sending each other their photos of their yeah. uh, their strain and how much they're accomplishing and their calories, and it's super cool. So, no, it's you. great, man. Well, congrats on your career and and uh, and for inspiring people. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Brian for coming on the show. He was a blast to talk to, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. If you're not already a Whoop member, you can join our community for as low as thirty dollars to begin. We provide you with twenty four seven access to your biometric data as well as analytics across strain, sleep, recovery, heart rate variability, and more. The membership comes with a free Whoopstrap 3.0. We offer 6, 12, and 18-month memberships. The more you sign up for, the more you save. If you enter the code WILLAHMED at checkout, that's W-I-L-L-A-H-M-E-D, we'll give you $30 off a membership just for listening to this podcast. For our European customers, the code is WILLAHMEDEU, and that will give you 30 euros off when you join.
And for our current members, you can upgrade to the Whoopstrap 3.0 and get access to all the new Whoop Live features by following the link in your Whoop app. If you're out of contract, you'll literally get the 3.0 for free when you commit to another six months. Check out whoop.com slash thelocker for show notes and more, including links to relevant topics from this conversation and others. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Whoop podcast on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can find me online at Will Ahmed. I try to respond to everyone who reaches out. Uh, And you can also follow at Whoop on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can email thelocker at whoop.com with any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions you may have. Thank you again to all our listeners, to all our Whoop members. We love you.